Welcome back to another episode at Economics Design. This month, we're talking all about stablecoins. And in one of the short little videos that I've made, I talked about how 2017 and 2021, they have different kinds of stablecoin mechanisms and we're classifying stablecoins differently. So someone asked to create a longer video to explain what I mean by that. So here we are. This is also a very good primer as we dive deeper into understanding the various kinds of stablecoin mechanisms so we can understand them and compare them better across these different kinds of stablecoins or these different kinds of protocols. So let's get started. Before we begin, I want to share a little bit more about how we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about them in terms of collateral, we're going to talk about them in terms of mechanism, and we're going to talk about them in terms of peg. Why peg? Because stablecoin is stable only relative to something. So you peg to something and it is stable relative to the something you're pegged to. Hong Kong dollar is soft pegged to US dollar. So you can say that Hong Kong dollar is stable with respect or compared to US dollar. That's the peg. Whereas you can't say that the US dollar is stable compared to Zimbabwe currency. It just doesn't make sense. So that's why peg is really important because stable coin, the stability it's really determined by what it is pegged to. If the peg asset is volatile, of course your stablecoin is also going to be volatile compared to something else, right? So that's, that's something that we want to talk about as well. So as you can imagine, the word stablecoin means that the prices are quite stable. The prices don't change so much. And we see that with the prices having low or no volatility. So this is, this is key. So what we want to do is how can we create these, how can we use these tools, the collateral, the different mechanisms, and a peg to create this output where we have low or no volatility. So that's key. And to help you to understand further into what we're talking about in 2021, let's take a step back to understand what 2017 was about. So in 2017, there was this huge report, a very, very brilliant report that classified stablecoins into three categories, three kinds of mechanisms to get stablecoins. We have on-chain, off-chain, and algo stablecoins. On-chain stablecoins are coins like DAI from MakerDAO, where you take assets on-chain, on-chain assets like ETH or USDC, YFI, Aave, whatever kind of on-chain assets you have, you keep them, and then you mint stablecoins out of it. You mint DAI out of it. So that's your on-chain collateral. So you take on-chain assets, use it as collaterals to mint your DAI. The second kind, it's off-chain collateral. So off-chain collateral is where you give the money to someone, give, let's say, five US dollar note, give it to a company, the company gives you five crypto USD. And that we have USDC, which is managed by Coinbase. So you basically send USD to Coinbase and Coinbase gives you the crypto USD. You can spend it in crypto. Why? Because you can't give your computer a $10 note and ask the computer to turn that into crypto, right? So you do that with USDC that's off-chain collateral. So every single USDC is backed by one US dollar in the Coinbase bank. That's the idea. And lastly, we have algo stablecoins. So algo stablecoins, they can be classified as rate shares or they can be classified in different kind of rebasing mechanisms. For that, we have USDT or UST from Terra, the Luna network, or Ampleforth, which is also a very popular one. And you also have things like empty set dollar, dynamic set dollar, ESD, DSD. So it was the 2017 classification of the different kind of mechanisms in which we get stable coins. But it's 2021 now, and it's been a long time since we have innovated and experimented. So what are the different mechanisms today? In 2021, you can broadly classify mechanisms into four different categories. Why do we want to do that? Well, 
because you realize that sometimes you could have mechanisms where it's kind of algo and on-chain, right? For example, with MakerDAO, yes, it is collateralized by on-chain collaterals to get its $1, but things could change. You could change the mathematics, change the stability rate or the different kind of fees payable or the different kind of collateral ratio to change the amount of die you can mint or the amount of die that's available. And so because of that, it kind of feels like an algo stable coin, but it also has on-chain collaterals. So based on that, there's a lot of improvements made and why not reclassify the different kind of mechanisms? So we have four now. The first one is reserves. As you can imagine, most of these stable coins are backed by reserves. Just like how after World War II in the 1940s, where the world economy is recovering again, a lot of currencies were quite volatile. It's after war, a lot of people are struggling, and it was also the Great Depression. Things were not bright. So when that happens, money was actually backed by gold. And that was before the Bretton Woods period where money was backed by gold. And every currency, every central bank out there had gold in the bank. And then they minted or they printed the currency, like US dollar printed one US dollar that's worth X amount of gold. And that's how currency started. So it, was, it had reserves. The reserves then were gold. Today, it could be a lot of things. It could be on-chain collaterals, off-chain collaterals. It could be like a MakerDAO, you have a lot of different kinds of currencies. You have ETH, you have YFI, you have Aave, whatever. Or it could be off-chain collateral, it could be gold, it could be dollars, it could be Japanese yen. Reserves, right? Reserves. Reserves are used to create that mechanism to determine that stable coins with low volatility. How about the second one? The second one is a dual token. So it's a two-token model. Why two tokens, you ask? Well, because when we talk about stable coins, we're talking about a coin with low volatility, a coin that doesn't move so much. But the truth is, a lot of things actually move. There's a lot of volatility in the space. So then we have one token that's stable, and the other token absorbs the volatility. So when prices go up, then it absorbs the volatility in that. Prices go down, the secondary token absorbs the volatility in that. So that's the general idea. Of course, the secondary token could do a lot of other things, but the main purpose is to absorb volatility so it doesn't impact the stablecoin. So that's your two-token model. Then the third one is algo stablecoins. As I mentioned again, algo stablecoins can come in very different kind of ways. You have rebasing model, you have a bond-like model, you have a debt-like model. It's basically how do you create a stablecoin defined by math? You could change the math if you want to or if the governance votes for it. So these are three different kind of mechanisms. And... We have one that's mixed. So a mixed mechanism is a combination of two or a combination of all of them. And it's important to note that because these mechanisms do not exist alone. They could coexist in one of your stablecoins creation. And stablecoins is not just one mechanism that is the end. You could mix them up because they could serve different kinds of purposes. They could have different kinds of volatility. You want to hedge against volatility in different ways. And so you mix around with these mechanisms. And because of that, we have four mechanisms in 2021. So this is the mechanism piece, which is a big piece out of the way. And before we move on to collaterals, which I think is going to be very interesting for most of you, I want to talk a little bit more about PEG. When we talk about stablecoins, people are always thinking it's just crypto USD. But that's not very true because a stablecoin, it's stable relative to something, which is relative to the PEG. And you could have a lot of different kinds of stablecoins or any stable token that represents something or that's pegged to something. So you've packed a fiat and you know that the world is not just USD, right? So in the US dollar or US denominated currencies, you have USDT, USDC, LUSD, 
You have Faye, which did not work out very well. I had a big episode on that. You have Dai. A lot of different kind of mechanisms coming out to create the crypto version of fiat or to create the crypto USD. So it's back to USD. Of course, there are other currencies available. So with SGD, Singapore dollars, you have XSGD by Xverse. With other currencies like the Swiss franc, the Japanese yen, the euros, British pounds, there are some assets out there that are creating stable coins packed to different kind of fiat currencies. Why? Because then it makes transaction a lot easier within the ecosystem. So that's fiat. But it's not just fiat. You could have commodities. So for example, gold, stablecoin backed by gold or stablecoin packed to gold. One stablecoin or one of these gold is equivalent to one ounce of pure gold or 99.9% gold. That's also possible. That is still a stablecoin because it's stable relative to your underlying asset, your commodity. That's still stable. Then you can also have a combination, which is a combination that you want. So for example, some people like Mahadao, it's looking at combining fiat and commodities into a basket that they created by themselves. They defined this basket and then to have a stablecoin pegged to that basket. So that's a combination. Or it could be an index. An index is something a bit more that's defined by someone else. So it could be like a basket of goods. It could be the CPI. So when we talk about Amperforth here, the value of Amperforth is not pegged to just USD in general, but it's pegged to the CPI of USD in 2019. And CPI is the Consumer Price Index, which is an index released by the Fed to show what the prices of goods are. And of course, you can talk about inflation in that way, you can talk about price inflation in that way, you can talk about the pros and cons. But just sharing that when we talk about PEC, it's not just about US dollars. And it's not just about the US dollar right now. It could be US dollar of 2019 with the index. It could be gold with commodities. Or it could be a combination of different kind of assets that you're looking at. So don't be limited to just think that, okay, it's just US dollars. No, stablecoin is stable relative to something, relative to what you're pegging it to. Okay, so that's peg. Now, let's move on to collateral, because collateral is quite a big thing. We're looking at two classifications of them. The first one is the type of collateral we're looking at. The second one is the amount of collateral. As you can imagine, collateral really falls very much under the reserves aspect, but you don't always need to have collaterals. So when we look at the collateral amount, we have four main classifications. You have full, so 100% backed. So let's say USDC, that's full, 100%. So 100 US dollars in Coinbase Bank, you create 100 USDC. So it's one-to-one, 100% one, backed. That's full. Next one is partial. So partial could be only 50% is backed by a reserve and 50% is not. That's also possible. Or there could be no pegs at all. Could be, you know, purely dual currencies or purely algo stable coins where it's not pegged by anything. Zero. Nada. Or it could be overpegged. Over. So it's more than 100%. So we see a lot of cases like this with, you know, usually more than 150%. But we also see, you know, liquidity is exploring 110%. Then you also have currency, a different kind of stablecoin mechanisms and different protocols experimenting with maybe I can have over collateralized but not 150% because that's not capital efficient. How can I reduce that? What can I do about that? Or you can have extremely overpacked like Alchemix, which is 200% overpacked. Also have a video, you can watch it, it was the last episode. It's overpacked for a specific reason because the mechanism, the structure, the objectives of the stablecoin has a secondary purpose. And so 200% over collateralized is serving a secondary purpose. So don't just judge the collateral by how much is overpacked or how much is underpacked or zero pack at all. Just understand that these are different tools in your toolbox, which you can tweak and change and apply them to get the stablecoin you want and to achieve the objectives that you're looking for. That's the goal. 
And lastly, we have the collateral type. As you can imagine, we have different reserves. So what do you mean by that? In the different reserves, we have different kinds of things in your reserves. Think of reserve as a big box, a safety deposit box in the bank. You can put anything you want in there. So we can have fiat in there, could be USD, Singapore dollars, whatever. It could be commodities, it could be gold, silver, platinum, gemstones, cereal, rice, I don't know, whatever you want. It's up to your imagination. It could be a combination of both, and it could be crypto as well, so a combination of all of them. Or it could be none, nothing, nada. Just like if it's purely algo stable coins, or maybe purely algo and dual stable coins, you're not pegged to anything. And that's also fine, because it's not about the type of collaterals you have. It's not about the amount of collaterals you have. It's not about your mechanism. It's not about your pack. It's about how do you use these tools available? These are just tools to create this new asset to allow for transaction, to make it easier to transact in your community. And why do you do that? Because in an ecosystem, in a network, in these kind of communities, what we're trying to do is to allow for transaction, allow for coordination, allow for cooperation between these different kind of agents in your system. Stablecoin is good in your system because the prices are not so volatile, it's easier to transact. And how do we use these different tools available to create the right kind of stablecoins to achieve these kind of objectives that we're looking at? And that's the goal. That's why it's okay to explore with different kind of stablecoins because different kind of stablecoins you can have different kind of objectives. For example, when we talk about Alchemix, the one with 200% over collateralized, they're helping you to reinvest your assets so that you get returns while using the kind of revenue that you could get in two years' time today. It can be more capital efficient that way. Or with LUSD, it's looking at new ways of playing around with different kind of mechanisms, having risk management in there, and to allow you to use this asset while it is still collateralized, but not over collateralized. So again, capital efficiency. So you can have different kind of mechanisms, different kind of collateral amounts. There is no right answer. We're still experimenting. And it really depends on what kind of objectives that you're looking at and what kind of outcomes you're looking to create. So this is a snapshot a conclusion of where we are with stablecoins, what the development is. And I know a lot of people are asking, why do we need more stablecoins? Well, because there are more things to experiment, more things to play around with. And ultimately, what's the goal? The goal is that at the end, if we're still packed to fiat, we're still subjected to the government's controlled definition of what money is. However, if we manage to use the tool and figure out a way to have low volatility compared against fiat, then maybe we can start coming up with different kind of indices and different kind of combinations where we can start defining money in our own right. Because what's money? It's a way to capture information transactional information so we can transact and exchange for goods and services with different agents in your system. So why are we always allowing the government to define that? That's good, but maybe there could be another way where it challenges the traditional government way that we're so used to. Maybe there are better ways out there. And why don't we just start exploring and figure that way out? And that's why I think stablecoin is really cool because it is one of the first steps towards decentralization. It's not just about issuing private money. It's about issuing private money that retains its value to allow for exchange between your agents in the space. And I think that's very exciting. I hope that makes sense and I hope that gives you more clarity to what Stablecoin is doing. If you're excited for more about this kind of stuff, follow us on Twitter, join our Discord. Happy to answer any questions. Until then, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!